This is Marissa. This is Denise. And we are Are You There God? It's us. Book bitches. And unfortunately, we have been talking for about 15 minutes now. <laughs> and I looked at my computer and I was like, oh my god, I haven't even actually been recording anything at all. I'm so bad at you. And to be fair, we did spend five I, minutes talking about your eyebrows. We can go back into that. <laughs> but we... I'm so angry. Like, what was I doing? I was, I literally looked at the computer screen. No, too. I know. I saw and you I kept looking at it. Record, but like, where did that go? I don't know, bitch. I don't know. We gotta I stop. Can't... We, we can't pregame. <laughs> we can't pregame. We gotta pregame a little bit in about an hour. The prelude. They can't hear gestures, Marissa. <laughs> She's just like, she's just like nodding her head towards the computer. Like, I know what that means. I literally couldn't think of anything to go with the gesture. Anyways, um, hey, what's up? We've been talking about it now for 15 minutes because I forgot to hit record. Yeah. But, um, what did you read this week? Okay. So I don't know if I've gone officially on the record or if I did, I don't remember because it's been so long since our last podcast. Um, I, I'm in the middle of reading The Power of the Dog. Okay. Uh, movie on Netflix has Benedict Cumberbatch, who I now again have a crush on. You know, he's hotter than he was in 2011. Yeah. I was really obsessed with that Sherlock series, and looking back, I'm like, wow, those weren't like very good. They were really dorky. They were really dorky. And but he was but so like, hot. at the time. I remember being like, this is revolutionary. No, I know. This I is revolutionary. Like, I remember TV. watching that that show and being like, damn, this is. I have good taste. <laughs> Literally, like that was like. But I had such and like yeah, you were a high class person. Oh yeah, you were so smart. You were. I also actually an intellectual. I genuinely do like. Oh, she likes Sherlock Holmes. Actually, so do I. Yeah, I tried it. I would try to get my students to read it, and they were like, "What the fuck is this saying?" And I'd be like, "That's fair, (sighs) fair enough." But it's one of my faves, anyways. So when I watched in 2011, right. With him, I thought he was so hot. I thought he was the bee's knees, top of his. He game. was good looking for 2011. That's what I was just gonna say. Now when I look back, I'm like, oh, you're. Mm. But in this movie, because but it just we, came out, can we talk that much shit? Because we were in 2011. No, I know, I can't with our eyebrows. Um, no for context. Hold on. the eyebrows thing is that I was telling her I didn't know how to do my eyebrows, so my solution to doing my eyebrows. Was to like shape them, but I shaped the them. I remember now. I, I shaped them using a like a I, like it's not like I had a unibrow, <laughs> so I'm really confused about what I didn't like. Is it because like that part is thinner? Really, bitch. I don't. I couldn't tell you what the process was. I really couldn't tell you. And like, so she looks behind me, and I'm in our. I'm in my room, and she looks, and she's like, "Oh, that." is that picture it's my graduation picture from 2016 and she was like oh is that from that time period where you're shaving your eyebrows and she's like bitch what the fuck because now she's looking at it and my eyebrows are so fucking far apart it's crazy it's like two inches between her eyebrows and they're not done yeah they're not done they're just shaved like i wasn't filling them in they were just shaved and then we're and talking- I remember thinking like i remember i would do it and be like wow this looks like so fucking dope right now actually I uh, and like how how are men finding me attractive? Men don't pay attention to things. You know what? Like what? It's I because think about you that. have so much confidence. It tricks people. They were like, "Look at her, fucking six inches apart between each eyebrow." 
<laughs> look at that shit. I thought you looked so good then. I was so jealous. Like, you always look so put together, and I looked like a little That's gremlin. because I had, I, thought I was, like, doing, like, my little sock bun all the time. Oh, my God. The and, sock like, bun. I, like, think about it, too, and I was like, damn, that was all forehead. <laughs> I, there were, I didn't have bangs. I was pulling my hair into a bun with no bangs every day. And then I was like, chunky necklaces, bandage skirts, fucking lace tops. Oh my god. And I'm like, that was the fashion. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that's high fucking You fashion. always got compliments. You were very fashionable for 2011. But like... To 2016. Yeah. I'm cute now. Everybody <laughs> needs to understand that. But... I have, and I have. You had to get through the shaving eyebrows I and the brow pomade. I have my full eyebrows now, and I am they're natural. I just fill them in a little bit with a brow pencil. I think Anastasia brow pomade like probably owes you and other people damages for Financial like the compensation. Block, the block brows you guys were doing, bitch. I remember. I think yeah, I was telling you. I went and saw this man that I was like, we were like, you know. And I remember being like, look at these eyebrows, bitch. No one can stop me. Unstoppable. I'm going to go see this man. I think man. you were using black. I don't think you were using dark, dark brown. You were using black for a minute. He, like, nobody said anything to me, but, like, that shit rubbed off onto my forehead. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> Embarrassing. He still talks to me. We're still friends. But it's embarrassing. I won't reveal his name because he's unusually private. Oh, so you're saying he doesn't exist. You know, made someone up. <laughs> my imaginary friend, shut up. Anyways, um, so you read that, and then she read another boring series. Oh my god! So I'm not done with talking about how hot Benedict Cumberbatch is now, because he has like he's gotten age. He's aged. He's hot as. Why stuck. are you flipping your hair so much? <laughs> it's like stuck in my shoulder. <laughs> not supposed to be cute. It's pissing me off. <laughs> Anyways, Which nobody okay, said it was whatever. cute. <laughs> What the f- What'd she say? Bitch, I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> From Euphoria? In Euphoria, the show I've never watched. The show like, we've never watched, but have seen enough clips of on Instagram to kind of assume we know the it's plot. It's like, Instagram knows that like I would love the aesthetic of Euphoria, so I get a lot of the clips, and I know the storyline, but I'm never gonna watch it. I don't want to. Okay, so then I read this zombie series, and... It was made into a movie, the first one. It's called The Girl with All the Gifts. And then the second one is... Like a made-for-TV movie? No, it's a real movie. Is it so boring? No, fuck. You know, <laughs> it won awards. It won awards. English <laughs> awards. I think, it, no, I think it won international awards. The UK doesn't have the best you, taste. I don't even know how you identified that it was in the UK, like, immediately. I can just tell. Like if it's, it's in the UK, weird like, though. I don't know how you can tell. How what like because this is the second book you've done this to me. Where like <laughs> I don't know. I don't like British thrillers, and then I'm like, what the fuck? How did you even know this book is was British until like thirty pages in? Do you not read the dialogue? Their sentence structure is different. You can figure it out from sentence structure. I, mean, I, just I can don't almost. It. I can almost always like if somebody was to give me a book. That was from another country. I'm not going to know the country, but I'm going to know it's not, like, American English. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, but British English is so fucking close. Not in sense. No, it's not. We're going to agree to disagree. It's fine. And you're wrong. 
Anyways, so she has something with British I'm the one books. That, I'm the one that guessed it. What do you mean? I was up. actually right. So she has something with British books. So Marissa is not going to recommend this series, but I fucking do. It's a zombie series. It's very good. Let me be clear. I don't actually have something with British books. I have noticed <laughs> for their thrillers and their horror that they're the most draggy ass books ever. And they're so fucking slow. I like their pacing, though. Their pacing is different. So that's how I noticed. That's what I notice about them. Like, 30 pages in. Yeah, I'm like, 30 oh, the pages pacing's, in. Pacing's different. Yeah, there's not fucking anything happening in the story. I was like, damn, this is British. There was stuff happening. We uh, were setting it up. There was a lot of exposition. I don't understand how you can start reading a zombie book and get bored. Like, that's fucking crazy to me. It's fucking crazy that they made a boring zombie book. Okay, and anyways, they're turned into zombies via fungus. And I thought that was a really cool... That, I don't know, that felt new. Because normally it's like, blood? I don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was original. Anyways, what did you read this week? Um. So, I have been reading, I reread a book that, it was it was hailed as like, like an Asian version of Misery. Oh, the yeah. Whole. So yeah. it's called The Whole. It's about, basically this man and his wife get Is into that what a they car were accident. Hailing? You know? Yeah, it's on the front of the book. It literally says that. <laughs> it's like a review. Fucked. And then I looked it up and a lot of people compared okay. it to it. Um, this man is... Well, because... Anyways. No, it, it, does, it does parallel. This man is in an accident with his wife. Wife is killed. He is not. He's bedridden, though. And his mother-in-law is taking care of him. Um, and things start to take more of a sinister turn. And he's bedridden, but she's kind of trapping him there to some extent. Um, it's a lot more subtle than Misery. Like, the horror is more, like, uh, creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's much shorter as well. Yeah. So I've been rereading that because I... I feel like, like I, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy sucks. But I feel like the first time I read it, because it was so subtle, I was, like, not impressed. And now the second time I'm reading it, I appreciate it more than the first time. That's why I kept it, because I also felt kind of, like... Because it was on one of those lists that were like people of color writing horror and I do tend to like people of color writing horror because they really go they often tend to reach towards the cultural yeah or like their mythology so that was on one of those lists yeah and they were like this is so creepy and different and just so horrifying I and think then I was I really was, let down yeah I think I was really disappointed the first time I read it because I was reading it like I read Misery. Exactly. In the yeah. way that it, like, the horror is really upfront and mm-hmm. almost explained to you. And this horror is less, uh, less obvious. I think I also read it in the midst of reading a lot of really visceral horror novels. Yeah. So for this one, it's really, it's so good, but you can't read it expecting. Yeah, you. It's a different. It's a different story. So I'm rereading that, and then I was reading The Price of Salt, which is also, if you've seen the movie, we've talked about it before on the podcast. But the movie Carol, it's, Denise has told me one of the more lesbian, more famous lesbian novels because the lesbians actually end up together. No one dies, and they mm-hmm. you're, they break up or whatever. Well, this was also like the height of lesbian pulp fiction, right? So it was one of it was really. So I'm reading it and I told you in the car the other day that I just like don't see anybody but Kate Blanchett being cast as Carol because even the description of her is like exactly what I imagine, you know, Mm -hmm. like Kate Blanchett looks like that. So I was like, wow, this that's like really good casting. 
Um, but she's so fucking hot. I like I like the book a lot. I like it more than I like the movie. The movie moves so slowly, and not in a bad way. But like we were talking about, you get a lot of the characters' thoughts and like motivations, and it makes more sense when you're reading the book than when you watch the movie because you just feel like things are moving along really slowly. Dude, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. But when I read the book and then watched the movie again. I liked the movie more. Well, then you know, like, you can fill in the movie with your own life. Exactly. That's why I always tell people that if you read a book and watch the movie, you should do both. Yeah. Because if you watch the movie, even if it's a really good movie, a really good adaptation of the book, you're not always going to get the fullness of the book that you got, that you you get from the book. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, the level of detail that's missing, so then when you go back and watch the movie... You can add your own layer of, like, imagination to it. And I think it just adds to the experience. No, I agree. So we are going to talk about the book that we actually came here to talk about. (laughs) Um, Nightmare But before, okay, but before we get into that, I thought of a question the other day and I was like, let me ask Denise. So we both have two jobs right now and one of them, both of us work in retail and we work at different stores. And I work at Torrid and she works at H&M and... We've also worked in retail prior to this and customer service. So I'm just wondering. <laughs> okay. Has to be a short answer. So get those gears a turn in. What is an irrational thing that you hate when customers do? It can't be rational. Like if somebody's rude to you, obviously you hate that. What's something that's irrational that you hate that they do? Um, I hate when they put the money on the counter instead of handing it to me. And they're not even if it's polite. No, they're never being rude when they do it. They're doing it because they see I'm doing something. Yeah. And they're like, well, she can just get to it when she gets to it. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate (laughs) it. It feels so rude. And I know they're not being rude. That's why it's irrational. It feels so passive aggressive to me. Because I'm like, so a lot of times, and it's probably people probably think it's freak behavior when I do it. When I'm cashiering and they try to hand me money and I'm doing something, I'll take it and just put it to the side. Yeah, instead of them putting it to the side. Because it irritates me so bad. So you've cashiered a lot more than I have. Yeah, I, I have, have not cashiered a lot. Um, but you know what I have a hard time with? Mm-hmm. It's like the order of which to do things. Because I'm like, do I bag it? Do I, like, do I take the money? Like, when do I give them the receipt? So I've... Like, I know, I put the receipt in the bag. I never vary from that. No. And, like, when do I open the bag, though? Like, when I'm halfway through scanning okay, their clothes? Okay, but I feel like, okay, so this is not something I had to deal with at Walmart yeah. or Lowe's. Well, because it's different. Like, it's we different. both work in clothing retail. This is, like, a, this is a specific thing. So now, and this is this is the only thing, because my hands don't work right. Something's wrong <laughs> with my hands. Like, hangers, I, like, genuinely, I drop them. And I can't fold clothes that well. So that's two things that I need to do while I'm checking people out. Okay. And I, so I, what I do is I lay them in front of me. Okay. I take off the hangers and then I scan and then I do the sensors and then I fold them, put them all in the bag. And then. That almost seems like a longer route to what I want to accomplish. It, it's. I'm doing the same thing, but I do each garment individually. I can't see. I can't do it. So, like but that. you know, I have to do it that way because if not, like remember, I told you I gave that lady a free pair of pants. Like I'll forget to scan something. <laughs> I don't. And it'll just end up in their bag, and I'll have taken off the sensor and everything. But I'll be like, did I scan it? And I gave a lady a free pair of pants one time because I did scan. It. 
I was I like, well. So, I go way slow for do it individually. What's the irrational thing that makes you mad that customers do? Because I know you asked me, so you wait, can answer. When people walk near me. <laughs> oh, wait. No, that makes me mad, too. Like, if they're near me, I'll get the fuck away, man. <laughs> like, I hate when people need to shop something right next to me. Oh, my God. Why? I'm going to be here. So when I'm garment carrying and, like, someone has to be on the rack for next six to me. Seconds. I'm like, I... Go away. I'm I breathing hard. I'm sweating. Go away. I am really not a fan of customer service, to be honest. If that wasn't obvious, but it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Anywho. I mean, just keep telling yourself that, buddy. It's not a big deal. Um, We are going to talk about our actual book today, <sighs> Nightmare Alley, and the no, movie. Sure. Yeah. The movie is directed by Guillermo del Toro. It's dope as fuck. It's actually one of my favorite movies this year. May potentially be one of my favorite movies of all time. I get the same feeling in my chest when I watch it that I get when I watch Silence of the Lambs. So I know it's one of my comfort movies. But it's really long. So. We have the worst comfort movies. Like, they're not comforting they're to not, anyone. Like, not. The Power of the Dog. Oh yeah, so comforting. <laughs> Do you revel in dead people? Oh my god, like, oh yeah, it ends in murder, no big deal. And then I, you know, I don't want to be that person that's like, I'm just such a, I'm just a quirky woman. I love Silence of the Lambs. I do, but I don't know why it's my comfort movie. Like, there's nothing in that movie that speaks, it doesn't resonate with me. To be fair, one of my managers at H&M was like, you know what I used to watch as a kid that I really liked? The original Black Christmas. That's fucked. <laughs> yeah. That's some I was like, shit. Oh. That's a scary movie. But it's also really boring. It's, it's like, you liked it as a child. I, and I say that as, that's one of my faves, I think. She says that. It's I so said, boring. Oh, okay. It's scary. It is boring, though. I think it's worth the sit, sit through. I have to look up the cover because the, like, tagline on it is so, it's almost nonsensical. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. If this picture doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Like I, I still kind of can't, love that, but I it's like it doesn't exactly make sense. like it doesn't like match anything. Fathom, about the movie. Yeah. Like it doesn't. Anyways. All right. So we are talking about Nightmare Alley. Um, this is such an interesting story because it spans over a number of years, um, and a lot of it to me speaks of the author's actual struggle struggle with alcoholism and has a lot to do with that I feel like yeah but it's in these really it's it's so embedded in this story that has nothing to do with that really when you think about it nothing to do with the author personally it's just in the story once you realize like the author was struggling with alcohol at the time that he was writing it you're like oh that's very obvious then in the story itself. And I, I think the story is so interesting because it deals with alcoholism, but it's not the main... It's almost like a footnote. It's not, but it's not because it's like it embeds itself in every, all of his motivations, especially at the end. Yeah. But it is, I don't know, it's like an implicit it's struggle. It's like really significant, but also not 
Like, you don't have that one scene. One of the main focuses. Like, you do have scenes where he's obviously struggling with it, but you don't right. have that scene where he's like, I need to get better. Like, no, there's, just... there's literally, like, he starts drinking, and then there's just, like, an abrupt decline, and that's pretty much, like, the discussion of alcohol, and then that's, you know... And that's not to say it's not done well. It's, it's just, done very well. It's done so differently than a lot of books you see when they talk about, like, alcoholics. Yeah, where it's the, the main... The main struggle. That wasn't yeah. his main struggle. No, almost. the conflict in this was super interesting. And if you read it, you come to realize it's more of an internal conflict than an external conflict. But you really have to pay attention. And so the story itself is about Stan, who joins the carnival in <laughs> he's 1940. A he he's a, he's a carny. He wanted to be a carny, I think, because it comes with that attached freedom of, like, nobody has to know who you are mm-hmm. because you get up and move every couple weeks. And we don't really know who he is. Yeah, when you start the story, that. you just kind of, like, meet Stan, and that's pretty much it. The story is really interesting, interesting in that, like, the beginning of it, is set up that you're at this carnival and you meet all of these characters individually and kind of almost like these like very short vignettes that the author wrote Mm. um, of stuff that's happening in their minds as you're introduced to them. And Stan's is interesting because immediately in the book, you can tell he's like cunning. He's like kind of a dick. And that's a lot of what you get from his character almost immediately. And so you mean that was such a good. I thought that was such a good thing that the author did because we got because there were a lot of characters. We got to meet the characters, and we needed to know all of them and who they were in order for the story to make sense. So you meet the characters. Um, Stan eventually in this carnival moves from being just like a regular like he had a booth. Yeah, but he wasn't. No, he wasn't doing like a like a main act, crazy act or yeah. anything. So he has his regular booth. He moves from that to moving with Zena, who they hook up with once they move the carnival to whatever place Zena was. Mm-hmm. And she and her husband partner, husband partner, husband both. partner. They're both. She and him are now doing an act that's basically like mind reading. Or calling upon the spirits. And it's done with basically like a trick in the stage and a mirror. And it's really not. Once you see it, you're like, oh, it's not that complicated. But Stan is going to be someone who basically is their like caller. He's the one that's like interacting with the audience, like engaging with the audience. And that's a big move for for him because they have a bigger act than him. Well, he's still, he was so, the way the carnival was set up was the audience would walk from booth to booth at one time. Yeah. So he still had his little booth. But it still wasn't but as big then, as Xena's. But then he, like, not manipulated his way, but he very purposely hooked up with Xena. Yeah. So that he could learn the ropes of yeah. what they were doing, which I think, and I'm only pointing this out because it's important to his character, was that he was always kind of grasping upwards. Right, and that is important to his character, and you'll see it going forward, but with Xena in particular, him and her, like, literally hook up, like, they start fucking, and literally it's, 10 it's like, it's really not, like, you know, you don't feel bad for her husband, because he's a really deep alcoholic, and he loves Xena, but he loves the bottle more, and it's very clear that that's well, the case. and she loves him, she takes care of him, Yeah, but it's just, he can't do anything for her as a husband. It's really, she's his caretaker. Yeah. And so, 
It's just they one kind of, of take things. him in, yeah. and they start showing him the old act that they used to do, which is basically mentalism. And mentalism, if you don't know, which a lot of people don't, um, and I'm not surprised because it's not something that's really around anymore. Maybe, maybe, maybe our audience has watched that show, The Mentalist. <laughs> maybe okay. you watched the show, The Mentalist. Don't assume. You're right. I will never again. But basically, mentalism uses technical skill, misdirection, psychological subtleties, hypnosis, cold reading, and showmanship to demonstrate what appears to be extraordinary mind reading, foresight, clairvoyance, and telekinesis. Really, a lot of it has to do with like you acting and pretending that you're in connection with the spirits or you're reading somebody's mind and a lot of that has to do with you being able to read people i know that's, um, that was well that was xena's literal thing she, she was, was just, just like, like you just have to know how to read people and also a lot of it has to do with you kind of like stereotyping people too um because well, they went region to region and she had specific things she would do for each region that they were in right and so depending on the region that they were in and a lot of this happens in the midwest so very similar stories among the people it's really not hard to kind of start reading an audience. I think she had one where uh, it was like something with the husband. Like he wasn't cheating on her, on the wife, but... He wasn't cheating on her yet. He wasn't cheating on until so the wife was asking about that. And Zena had like a set answer for that because it was a question that came up so often. And so that was kind of one of the big things is people only ask like a hundred questions I think they had yeah like typically if you were to go to and this is what fortune tellers do too if you were to yeah. go to a fortune teller chances are if you're a woman there's a pretty high percentage that you're going to ask you about your love life mm-hmm. you know and that's not it, unfortunately it's not like a bad stereotype it's just a stereotype no I mean a lot of times when you do have a big question that you are asking it's money romance yeah, career, like the big just ones, the big ones, like and that's any why, really big life I think decisions. It, and I think that's why they were able to be like, okay, we have an answer for every question people are going to ask because right. there's not that many questions. So basically, what happens is he starts fucking Zena. He becomes part of their act. In this, they start teaching him mentalism. They start teaching him like the code that they would use to interact with each other, which is a lot of times how. Um, mentalism would work. A lot of times it would be a two-person act. It was very rare that it was a solo act, although it was done and then later became the more acclaimed kind of mentalism. But mentalism was often done in a two-person act because someone would be saying a certain set of words that would trigger this certain kind of description they're giving you of the person that they're talking to. Yeah, And it was a very specific act and so they start to teach him this and they kind of warn him, like, don't turn it into, like, a spook show. Don't yeah. make it scary for people. Don't give people false hope. What we're trying to do is well, really don't... give them, like, kind, kind of these, like, common sense answers. But also don't connect people with the dead. Yeah. Because you can't do that. You can't do it. You're just tricking faking. people. And so one of the things, like, she said with that woman who, like, you know, if he's not cheating on her, what do you do next? And so the answer a lot of times she would give is, like, We'll just treat him really well and, you know, he'll remember what he has. Very generic advice that you Mm -hmm. can probably get from anybody, but because they feel like, oh, you know, they're connected with this other outer worldly source. Yeah. You know, and so they were trying to tell him that's what we do. We don't try to give them hope and pretend like we're communing with the dead. Yeah. um, In front of them. And so what he would do 
is be a is dick. ignore their advice. <laughs> and so eventually he hooks up with Molly. Molly, who is a smaller act as well. Who's a hot Rooney Mara. She's in the a movie. hot. She's also supposed to be hot in the book, and they call her like a bimbo, I think, and that shit was rude. She I was a little bit. That. She was like I think because she was a little bit flighty. She was flighty, but she wasn't stupid. No. So he hooks up with Rooney Mara, they run away from the carnival and end up going solo. And that is when he ventures into in the movie, he ventures into his own act with mentalism. Yeah. In the book, he ventures into spiritualism, which is a religion at this time. Um, before you move into that. Yeah. Do you think he didn't do the spiritualism in the movie because people don't know about it like that? I think it would have been too hard of a story to follow. Okay. So, traveling carnivals were a huge thing in the 30s and 40s, and this is set in the 40s originally. And it, like I said, it moves about through like a decade, I think, or like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like f- 15 years. Also, Bradley Cooper is Stan in Nightmare Alley, and I've never found him more attractive or a better actor than this. I've like, never found him I... attractive until this movie. Like, you know, I knew Bradley Cooper from fucking The Hangover. And I hated those movies. I thought they were so stupid. I didn't think they were funny. I don't care if I get burned at a cross for saying that. I didn't like them. But, and I I thought he was, like, good looking. Like, in a, like, preppy, just, like, a guy preppy. way. Like, just a regular guy. He's just a dude. He's just some guy. Like, he's attractive. But in recent years, I've been like, Bradley Cooper's fucking hot, dude. They're doing different things with his look, though. Like, in A Star is Born, they He's have the cowboy thing. Yeah, that was a cute look for I'm him. I'm not going to watch... My dad's trying to make me watch that movie, and I can't. Because I know how it ends, and I'm, like, not dealing with it. I'm not so, doing it. He's the main character in this, and I just need to say it. I just need to say it. I need to be the one to say it. He's so fucking good-looking in this, and he's such a good choice for this role. Because the way that he acts it is very, like, in the movie, in the book, it's more clear that he's very cunning mm-hmm. from, the, from the start. In the movie, that's not as clear, but you see a lot of his, like, observation is happening on his face. You see him kind of, like, reading the room. Like, and then when you further develop into his character in the movie, you see more of, like, his regular character come out. Mm-hmm. But the way he does it at the beginning, I was like, who are you? Oh my Kim, god. Him, Willem Dafoe, Rooney Mara, and Cape Blanchett could all rail me from that movie specifically. And this is kind of one of those like unso- ensemble cast movies where you're like... Oh my god. Oh, I forgot Tony Collette was in it. Tony Collette, Tony Collette is Xena. Um, Tony Collette could act fucking anything. She's like Meryl Streep. She is the Meryl Streep of this generation, frankly. Like, every movie that I've seen Tony Collette in, I've not been disappointed. No, even that show that we saw on Netflix about like that rapist, which yeah. that show wasn't good, but Tony Collette was. But she looks phenomenal in it. She's so good. Anyways, Tony Collette is Zena, and this is a stan account for Tony Collette. Yeah, this is Tony Collette, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Who was the other person? Oh my god, who else do we talk about all the time? It's gonna come to me. But I don't know. Now I'm stuck on Jamie. Lee Curtis. And only one of us is gay. It's not me. I know. Oh no, we know. But Tony Collette. Oh, I she's love a babe. her. She's such a babe. She's such a babe. Anyways, so 
you were going to talk about spiritualism, right? You were going to lead into no, why we were talking I was about, talk oh, about the traveling circus. Yes. So the carnivals, okay, so they were influenced by the World's Fair, which started in, like, the 1800s, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously because the World's Fair was in, what, like, New York or Chicago or something Chicago. like that. Um, not everybody could go to the World's Why Fair. I don't know. That? I don't know. <laughs> and they were traveling the Midwest with these carnivals because then it was accessible to like farmers and people who were out there, particularly after like the Great Depression. And so, and they were cheap. And it, and, you and know, it was in the middle of the Great Depression when they were like so really popular. It makes more sense for it to be like operating in fucking middle America. But. One of the most famous and controversial acts, and this is something that's important to the book, is the geek, a single performer who runs around circus rings chasing chickens until they bite the heads off and swallow them. So in the movie, what you see is Willem Dafoe, (laughs) my favorite line, is he man or beast? Um, And you get to see the geek act, but basically, and I didn't know that that was actually something that was true. In the movie, they tell you, like, Willem Dafoe goes through this whole thing about how they get people to geek. Because it's not easy as a human person, because it's not a beast, it's just a man. As a human person to go ahead and just bite the head off a chicken and eat it, you know? Yeah, or snakes. They also did snakes. They did snakes, but chickens were more popular because you could chase them. Yeah. Um, And he, you know, goes on to tell Bradley Cooper, yeah, you get, like, these poor dudes that are fucking alcoholics and you offer them a shot a day and you offer them morphine and you offer them this and you offer them no, that it's like, excuse me you don't offer them morphine you just put it in the bottle so they get addicted to that that too and on then top of being an alcoholic and then when they're fiending for it at first what you get them to do is pretend that they're biting the heads off these chickens mm-hmm. um and then eventually you tell them well i want to hire a real geek and these guys are so desperate that they actually do the act. Mm-hmm. Um, that is actually something that they did. They did pick up what? alcoholics and drug addicts. That's real. <gasps> That's sickening. So they would pick up these very, like, desperate people that just wanted... I mean, I shouldn't wanted... be surprised because that was, like, the rise of the freak show, too. So... No, exactly. That makes me sad. Like... <laughs> That's really sad. It makes sense, but it's sad. And so Lillian Defoe basically goes through that in the movie... And in the book, it's also posited as the question of, like, what poor fucker would basically get himself into this position. Oh, you shall see. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, okay. So when Stan leaves the carnival, he instead, you know, different from the movie, he doesn't do a mentalism act. He plants a church of spiritualism. He actually doesn't plant a church until later. But I don't want to go into the, all the details of how he scammed this lady out There's of her house to plant the church. So much de- The book is dense as fuck. Like you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, that's like a medium length book, and then you start to read it and you're like, Jesus, this book is dense. Yeah. Um. All you need to know is he scammed a lady out of her house using spiritualism, and then that's where he planted his church. To be clear, what he would do in acting as he was was like pastor of spiritualism mm-hmm. um he would basically pretend like he was commuting with the dead yes okay so spiritualism is a religious movement it hit its peak 1840 to 1920 mm-hmm. so by the 30s and 40s it was waning because of 
Um, Conmen? Yeah. No way. No way. Hold on. Conmen in my religion? No. <laughs> yeah. No. Also, so, spiritualism started out of some bullshit, occult bullshit. Yeah. Not, you know, I know people believe in the occult. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is a lot of these people just were like making shit up. Oh, 100%. Okay, so spiritualism, based on the belief that the spirit of the de- spirits of the dead exist and have the ability and means to communicate with us, the living. Actually, go ahead and go be dead. Yeah, I'm good, right? You had your chance. Okay. Yeah, no, that's what I feel. Okay, and so you see certain things that he does that was very... Um, iconic in this religion. One of them is he has a spirit guide. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing in spiritualism because the spirit guide would often help provide like moral and ethical answers for people. Right. And they were the ones obviously who were the, they would call them for to provide spiritual guidance. So you weren't necessarily communing with your dead, just a random just spirit. Dead. I don't know about you, but that seems like, potentially bad karma to just be communing with a random spirit. I mean, I don't know about you. (laughs) I prefer not to commune with spirits. Okay. And the weird thing was, was as you know, most religions have some kind of text or like formal organization. Okay. This one flourished without either of those. So there was no formal spiritualism organization. They all kind of had like these loose beliefs, but nothing like that. They necess- there was no core. Right. Okay. And it's not like they had any texts. They didn't have like a Bible or anything. Yeah. It was just like, it was almost like, it's so strange. It was all like word of mouth. But what was interesting was that they very much followed the evangelical pattern of like going and traveling and doing like almost like they called them tours. Yeah. But basically, like, those traveling, like, churches, like, revivals. Yeah. They had something similar. Right. Okay. So, and so that's, like, the backbone of most of this novel. What Stan is into is this random religion. Yeah. And Rooney Mara, so in the movie, she's a big part of his act. In this, she's just kind of, like, his companion. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just leaves her in the house fucking 12 hours a day and just is like, yeah, I'm going to go do this thing with my church. And, um, excuse me. He used her as a fake medium for a little bit. (laughs) I forgot about that. For 30 pages. Um, and so she's kind of just like hanging out and he, she feels really neglected obviously. And, and they're really not making the money that he said was going to be rolling in. No, they're not. Um, like, after the big win of, like, they get that house, they're, they're like, making, surviving. like, a living. Yeah. But it's not anything fine. that's, like, wow. Um, and also, he's getting into hot water because now people are kind of catching on to that. He's a con man. Yeah. All this other shit. And this is where we get into him meeting with Lilith, a.k.a. Kate Blanchett, a.k.a. that frozen-faced bitch. Hold on, and... hold on. I want to tell you a funny story about spiritualism. Okay, right, right, right before this. Okay. This book, well, the movie had, the book has one of the greatest insults I've ever heard, and the movie had two. <laughs> yeah. The, the book said, describes Lilith as a frozen-faced bitch, and I... 
I'm going to use that as often as possible. Kate Blanchett really she is a frozen did face not bitch. move her face in that book. Movie. No, she did not. I don't know. Like, she, and here's the thing it's like a period piece like Carol, but like, and she, again, she has a period face. Yeah. But I don't know what she did to her face that it didn't fucking move in the Devoid book. of emotion. Oh my God, it was so weird. And then she was so She hot, called so. him a straight teeth Oki, and I thought that was dope. I want to start calling people that. Yeah. You're just, a, no, she said, you're just an Oki with straight teeth. And I was like, damn. True, but damn. Yeah. It hurt my feelings. Shit was not okay. Um, And you go into a little bit of Stan's past and you kind of get into why he could potentially be really fucked up um, in his like idea of like masculinity and stuff with his father. In the movie, he murders his father. In the book, he does no such thing. And that's why I thought it was so strange, but I thought it was also really good. Basically, the mom cheats on the dad, and mm-hmm. he he comes upon her and her lover. Oh, so that, that was, was really sad. It was oh. disturbing. Yeah, it was disturbing. The way too. it was like yeah, it was really awful. He comes upon her and her lover because he's really disturbed yeah. as a child, and he's young. And okay, so the mom runs away. The her and the dad are always arguing about this shit. The mom runs away with that guy she was cheating with. And then, you know, the dad tells, Stan comes home from school and the dad's like, your dog ran away. Um, and then you just find out you just that killed the he dog. just beat the dog to death. Yeah. It was really, it's honestly, really one up. of the most fucked up things you ever read. Um, without being a horror novel, that no, was very horrifying. Everything like, that happened oh. in his childhood was very disturbing. Yeah. And so you get a lot of background there, and you're like, oh, this is why you're a fuck. Um, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. doesn't explain a lot, but it explains enough. And so uh, then you get into, like, him seeing his dad for the first time since forever, and dad's like, I don't support the spiritualism bullshit, basically. And no, but, the dad was, but the dad was like, but, you know, you are my son. Yeah, and so he's he was trying to him, make him, but he was like... But Stan is already, I mean, like, this man's already in his 40s. He's like, it's too fucking late for all that. And also you killed my dog, you son of a bitch. That is really fucked. It's really fucked. If someone killed my dog, like, if you killed Ginger, I would actually kill you. I'm not kidding. It's fine. (laughs) If you killed Ryan, I might maim you. She gets on my nerves. Ryan, I'm just kidding, my love. Mommy said mean things. She hears you. I know. Anyways, so... Yeah, okay, now you can talk about whatever you were going to talk about. Okay, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, yeah. Know, love Sherlock Holmes. Um, he was, like, one of those people that was really into spiritualism at its height, okay? He was, like, that's when, if you think of Arthur Conan Doyle, you think of Sherlock Holmes first, spiritualism second, because that man went to his fucking grave writing spiritualism stick, right? They called him Saint Paul of Spiritualism. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I I knew he was into spiritualism. No. And I know that like that was like I remember reading about that and it was because he had lost his son in like one of the wars, right? Okay, so no. Oh. That's not why. That was kind of a catalyst for okay. him getting really into it, but he had already been dabbling for like ten years. Gross. I say gross again, and I apologize for those of you who, like, believe in the occult. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, 
this is the most fake shit ever because they were really like, okay. this, how is this a no. whole religion? There's not no. a single so the text. Reason- <laughs> There's not a single leader. No, so let me get into why it's the fakest shit ever because it makes me laugh because when I think of Arthur Conan Doyle, I'm like, sir, you you wrote these amazing stories and then you bel- you felt But how for- smart did he fell- have to be? But look, how smart did he have to read, the- be to read the end know. of the sh- But you know, he knows the ending of every story. Okay. You are really being <laughs> mean right now. He's dead. Are you okay? No, but just saying, like... <laughs> Maybe he wasn't as smart as we thought. He fell for the Cottingly fairies. Have you heard of these fairies? Oh my god, yes! If you look at Cottingly fairies, it's this picture of this little girl surrounded by fairies. Okay, these fairies look fake as shit. They look fake as fuck. They're paper fairies. Yeah, this little girl literally was like a good like artist so she drew little paper fairies and then her and her sister somehow had a camera they were rich like white kids because <laughs> this is like the 1800s so not everyone had cameras and so she's like surrounded by like four fairies and okay. they just look like paper fairies man okay and so he was like these fucking proof bitches fairies exist fairies exist you son of a bitch and so okay he was way too excited and he thought they were real evidence anyways in their 80s these women i don't know they were like deathbed confessions i don't know (laughs) in their 80s they were like oh yeah those are fake just wanted to play a little tricksies but what was the truth no what was weirder was in like their 40s one of them was like only two of them were fake there were three pictures only two of them were faked one of them was real <laughs> two-thirds of a trick scene. anyways I, I just wanted to bring that up because if i whenever i think about spiritualism i think about the fact that he fell for that fake ass fairy i already picture. told you how i felt on he my didn't life need to be that smart because he knew the end of every story he wrote just- the stories I can do anything. Audience, please Google Arthur Conan Doyle fairy picture. Please go look at that shit. You will, you'll die. You'll be like, hmm. and I don't care that they didn't have like movies or anything. I don't give a shit. That that looked fake. That looked fake. I don't care they didn't have movies. <laughs> I didn't care that they didn't know about CGI. No. Okay. I refuse. Oh. Okay. They didn't have Photoshop, but you know what? They had eyes. <laughs> Man, not common sense. I can't. Okay, sorry. Um, okay, that's so all I have to say. at this point in the story, um, he is duping people left and right. He gets involved with the psychologist because he ha- is having what can be described, I think, as like panic attacks. Yeah, they're not described as panic attacks in the book, um, but it's because like they didn't have Photoshop or terminology <laughs> for panic attacks. So they're just like this overwhelming sense of like anxiety and dread and he feels like he's having a heart attack and I was like, oh, he's having a panic attack? You bitch, that's what you get. Because he's not a nice person. He's been, at this point, he's, he's been, been a dick. It's been this, like 10 years of He's been a dick people. for like 10 years. And like, he's scamming people and he's playing on their emotions. That's the whole thing that I don't like about spiritualism is a lot of it has to do with these people are trying to contact they're dead loved ones. Yeah. You know, yes. yeah, you get the ones that are off and they're just like, I just want answers. But the a lot of times these are people that are like, my son died and I just want to talk to him. And he's really playing on that shit. And so fuck Stan. But he goes to Lilith, the psychologist. He finds her randomly in this phone book. She's so hot. She's so beautiful. Thanks, Kate she's so beautiful. And 
basically they start to have these like sessions. Yes. And in this period of time, he's also contacted by a man named what was his first name? Something I like Ewan? Ezra. Ezra. Ezra Grindle. I was like, I couldn't I remember, remember his, his first last name. name. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we I had his I had his last name. We're just sharing a brain cell. We are literally one brain cell. So Ezra Grindle um gets in contact with him and he's also a bitch. Why did he even what did he want from him? It wasn't like it in was the movie so was more clear than in the book. No, in the book he just wanted contact with his old lover, right? Yeah, I think so. What do you mean you think so? That's literally what he wanted. Because it was so dense and he like was not fr- like upfront. No. He was like I want to put you through this series of tests and I think he also wanted to see if he was real. So Ezra Grendel gets in contact with him and basically wants Stan to more or less like perform for him. Mm -hmm. Prove to me that spiritualism is real. And Stan goes through like the series of tests to prove it. Somehow pulls this shit off. I can't even tell you how. Um, because like one of the things he never explains the fleas one. I can't. Oh my god! I think because we were supposed to when like, was I supposed to like fill in the gap? out, but I couldn't even imagine what it had to do with a scale that he was using that was like in a sealed box. But and the way Stan it was would just... have to like move it with his mind, and then and he Stan did some shit somehow. with like fleas, and I and even my as day, laid out I as it understand. was, I'm like I don't know. I didn't understand. I, I couldn't in my head picture what it was supposed to look like. No. And then how that was supposed to work. No. So I so still don't know. In this part of the book, it's not laid out for you, but he goes through this series of tests. Grindel more or less, less wants like, just like, uh, what is it called? Reconciliation oh, okay. with his dead lover yeah. who was pregnant, lost the baby. And then she died as well. Excuse me. He made her have an abortion. That's right. Well, she had an abortion and then she also died. And so he wants reconciliation. He feels bad after all these years. Fuck that guy. Because he fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. And in the, this part of the novel, this is when things start to take a wrong turn for Stan. Okay. So the whole thing is he's ha- he starts having an affair with Lilith. Okay. And for me, that was kind of like, that signaled the beginning of the end. Because Lilith is indeed a frozen face bitch. Mm-hmm. But he also starts to trust her, which he really shouldn't. Right. Okay, so Grendel is paying him a bunch of money. And he gives it to Lilith to keep. Um, Basically to hold on to. Yes. And I don't know, in my heart of hearts, I was like, wow, that's a really shitty idea. And he's not telling... Molly. Molly, any of this. No, she's, you know, she's chilling. She's she's doing her own thing. She's doing her own thing. Okay. Um, okay. So at this point, Bradley Cooper, that's, I can't call him Stan. In my head, he's just Bradley Cooper. Is like, we're gonna pull one last con, because him and Lilith are in this together, obviously. Right. He's like, we're gonna pull one last con. I'm going to materialize this chick for him. And he's going to pay me a bunch of money. And somehow I'm going to run away. Don't know how he was going to do that. This plan and, was very bad. It was a very bad plan. It was a bad plan. Even in the movie, I was like, Dan, you know this is a bad plan, right? And somehow make, like, create a city of spiritualism. 
Right. It was the most half-cocked bullshit I've ever heard in my fucking life. But by now, he's also drinking. He is drinking. And on top of it, he's riding the high of Ezra Ezra Grindle is very rich. And giving him a lot of money. So he's riding both of those highs on top of having sex with Lilith, who he thinks is so hot. And also, he's like, they're not, he's not in love with her, but he's like really into her. Yeah, and he thinks that they make a good team. Unlike him and Molly. Yeah. So he is like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to materialize her. And the way that he plans on doing it is basically Molly is going to dress up as mm-hmm. this dead woman in like a dated outfit. I guess. And appear to Grindle. And again, even in the movie, you're like, wow, this is a really shitty plan. It was the worst plan ever. Okay. There's no way it would have worked. And of course it went wrong. Grindle starts getting real grabby with Molly, who freaks out because she's like, what the fuck? She's like, first of all, she already didn't want to do this shit. And she told him that. She also, in the midst of this, finds out that he's been fucking Kate Blanchett. Yeah. And is like, fuck you. This is the last thing we do. And I'm out. Yeah. So she's like over it. Again, they've been together for like 10, 15 years at this point, And he's been neglecting her more and more. Yeah. Okay. So this plan obviously doesn't work. The only thing he can do at this point is go to Lilith and be like, give me my money. And I'm just going to run. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. And then if you want to go with me, you can. Right. And then, so (sighs) she like starts recording in her office. They're in her office where her safe is. She starts recording and she's like, here's your money. This is what you gave me. And it's all ones. And he's, and he's like, like where the fuck, the fuck is my fuck? money? And she's like, you've been, you know, you've been imagining this relationship with me. She's like gaslighting him, girl boss, gatekeep, Gas- <laughs> gaslight. And she's like, you've been imagining this relationship and you've this been imagining we're co-conspirators and blah, 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 blah. And we've been trying to really break you of this, like, yeah, uh, basically, this fantasy. Basically covering her ass. But bitch, if I tell you in the movie, I was like, huh? I was so I was so thrown off. I was like, stop it right now. She gaslit me. She did. I was like, like, damn, wait, did I watch? (laughs) Is he crazy? I really sat there for a second like, what? (laughs) So then she's gaslighting him on this tape. I really thought I missed like 10 minutes. I did too. I was like, no. Um, She's obviously gaslighting him. He attacks her. (laughs) He attacks her. What did she shoots him? Yeah, she shoots him. She shoots him in the ear and he escapes with his dollars. Yes. <laughs> Molly has already absconded by now. Pro- she presumably the fuck out. presumably back to the carnival because she was still in contact with people from the original carnival. Yeah. Um and she had an act by the way. I don't know if we mentioned yeah, it. She, she had did. a whole booth. I did mention it, I didn't talk about it. But she had an act, so she's like, whatever, fuck you. So she leaves, Lilith is gone. I, what I liked about the book was that it actually gave you endings for these people. Yes. Um, whereas, like, in the movie, it just kind of, like, you never saw Kate Blanchett again. You never saw Rooney Mara again. Okay. Um, Bradley Cooper from here, also known as Stan. <laughs> uh, he he just slowly... Descends. It's just basically... And this is when alcohol becomes the main struggle the main part at of this the, point. Mm-hmm. And it's the very ending... And there's a point where he he hooks back up. Like, he doesn't hook up with Xena, but he sees Xena again. And another she's married to another dude who's in the carnival. And Pete like, has died. Pete has died. And that's a whole thing, but we're not going to go into that. But he, they're like, look, we're going to dry you out. 
we have word on another carnival where you can go do your little act and you can start over. And he's like, cool, great. Okay. And it looks like he's going to win. It looks like alcohol's not going to win. And you know what happens? He reads a headline and it's Lilith fucking marries Ezra Grindle. You find out that she was working in the background with Grindle the whole time. The whole time, bitch. And that's why she gaslit him and girl bossed him. And so that throws him all the way off the fucking wagon. He doesn't ever make it back to that carnival. No, he does. No, it's later. Okay, not for so, like days or okay, even weeks. So he's so he's traveling towards this carnival. Yeah, and he's drinking again, but he knows he's. I have to get to this carnival because I have to convince them to give me my act. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he stumbles in drunk as fuck, looking like a homeless dude. Smells like piss. Smells like piss because he's peed on himself. And he goes to the owner of his carnival and is like, look, I have an act, but he's slurring. He's obviously drunk. And the guy's like, we don't take like alcoholics here. We're not going to do that. And then he turns to leave and the guy's like, but I have a temporary job for you. It's as a geek. And it's like, oh, you have this like insane full circle moment. And it's just as good in the book. Like yeah. the movie did it so well, but this full circle moment where Stan is going to become the geek that he once looked down upon. And you're like, the way that it hits you is like, oh my God, what the fuck? And he has fallen so far from his original rise to, you know, little kind of fame because when he was doing spiritualism, he was famous yes, as well. Yes, he was famous. Um, and so you kind of see this fall and he goes ahead and accepts the geek position. It's so fucking heart wrenching, dude. Like, you don't and even you like know this guy, that he's the like, villain. Damn. You know, he's the villain. But even in the movie, the first time I watched it, I told you right after I was like, I feel really bad for Bradley Cooper. And you're like, no, fuck him. And I was like, yeah, like, fuck him. But actually, no, it's horrible to read. About, it's though. so sad. I mean, like, he was the villain, but you also still feel like, fuck. It's it's absolutely one of those your heart plummets when it happens because mm-hmm. it's so perfect and devastating. So perfect and devastating. So that's where we get this novel in itself. Like we there's so much okay. We really gave you the most bare minimum surface that it's we could give you because dense, it's such a dense book. So dense. We didn't even I, talk about his whole thing, how Pete died, because that's a whole thing. Yeah. I wouldn't even really recommend this as a just a read. No. This is something that you have to sit down. Um, I finished it while we were camping. I, and this is like camping, like like it wasn't like camping, camping, like we were in the deep woods. We were at like a like a yeah, like a like regional my, park. Yeah. But um the Wi-Fi was not good. And I, so I really had to like that was something that I was able to focus on. I, here's my thing. When I read this, when I was reading it, I was like, this is a genuine work of, like, literary fiction. Yeah. Like, you could give this to someone, like, you could give this to your students in a college class. Right. That's how, and what was interesting about the language in this book is it's very approachable. It's almost crude at times. Yeah. And then at other times, it's so beautiful and poetic. And so, this book is so complex. It's so dense. It's... I recommend it, but you have to be prepared to focus. And I think that the more heartbreaking part of the book, for me, particularly the ending, was just knowing that the author was drinking while he was writing this. Yeah. 
you know, in that actual struggle with alcoholism, because you can see that, especially when you get to the end of the book and he feels like he deserves that consequence. Because that's why he geeks. Like, there was no other reason other than, like, he felt like that was his punishment. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, given he was a fuck the entire time. <laughs> yeah, he was. But, like, still. But, like, there was not the a, re- there was not a redemption. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what sad. comes through. You think, like, Stan isn't being punished for the fact that he was conning people. Because even in the book, he's like, I know I'm a con artist. He's like, and I've never thought otherwise. He's punishing himself because he fails. Yeah. Exactly. Not because he was a bad person. But like I said, I I don't recommend this as like easy reading, not at all. I recommend the movie. The movie's dope as fuck. And it's also long. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching it, it's two and a half hours. It is a story that has so much going on in it that you don't feel like it's two hours. And it also breaks up easily into two parts. The part where he he's at the carnival and then the part where he goes off on his own with Rooney Mara two very different parts and so i don't know i really i mean this is probably one of my favorite reads this year but also one of my favorite movies this year um i don't know if it was one of my favorite reads i did really like it it was it was very dense and there (laughs) are things at times where i was like oh i don't quite understand what's happening it was all yeah that was the other thing it was so full of description and like I don't know how to describe like that it. scale like, part, the part where oh my one God. of Ezra Grindle's test. I reread that part twice, and I, I still, still don't quite understand it, it. So I think like you have to be prepared to go in there and be just like some parts you let be go. slightly befuddled. There are some books that I've read that I'm like I like pages where I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening here? And I have just decided to let go and let God. <laughs> like be like a little befuddled because ultimately if it doesn't affect my understanding of the book I also think that people should let themselves do that like if you can't comprehend every single word if you can't comprehend like pages and it doesn't affect your actual like comprehension of the book just fucking read the book yeah it's really not that serious I agree I don't I think people get like really caught up understanding everything no but like what's that thing where you feel like something is above you intimidated intimidated because i think well i don't understand everything bitch me neither and i've been reading forever yeah I, sometimes sometimes people is, will be like you're really smart because you read a lot and i'm like wow that's enough but and that's this not is, correct and this, i'm gonna say this and this is not to say that this man is a bad writer he's a great writer but sometimes writers cannot see their own writing flaws yeah and you know, sometimes it's just a flaw of the writer that you don't understand what they're saying. Yeah, like the density of this book in certain areas, not needed. That's what I Too learned. Much. In, but that's what I learned in grad school. Sometimes when you're reading a text and you're like, what the fuck is this saying? That's not necessarily a you thing. That's the writer made it very dense and not understandable. And yeah. that's on them as a writer. That's not on you as a reader. And if we are people who like to blame other people for our problems... Fuck yeah. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. Anyways, we'd like to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, We do want to make a quick announcement. We are switching our format, if you haven't already noticed, to a podcast a month at this point. We are too busy. We are just very busy at this point. We're hoping to, in a few months, go back to every two weeks. Every two weeks would be cool. It's also hard because neither of us collaborate on what books we want to do. 
And then one of us has to inevitably, like, catch up reading that book. Not that that's, like, through the fault of anybody. But instead of having to do, like, a rushed reading, really give it... Give it our all. Give it our all and try your best. So we're actually going to be moving to once a month. And I think that is probably best for now while we both have two jobs and all this other shit. And... But we are excited to take you busy. on this. Bitches are busy. We are excited to take you on this journey. Thanks for being patient with the break. Um, and we hope to see you in a month. Or for you to listen to us in a month. No, I'm going <laughs> to physically see them. I said what I said. <laughs> Do we know what we're doing next month? No, we haven't decided yet. We haven't decided on our next one. But I think that we should go ahead and do... Daisy Jones and the Six and Opal and Nev. You literally know. I'm <laughs> putting this in the podcast. Stop. I'm putting this argument in the podcast. I said, hey, should we do That's those books anymore? That's because I have anymore? to go back and read both of them. And you said no. That's because what you read them more recently. <laughs> and I didn't have time at that moment to go ahead and reread them. Okay. Don't well, listen to her lies. Our dear audience, I hope you hear all these fucking excuses. Well, we will... <laughs> See you late. <laughs> um, we wish you the very best and hope you come back next month. Thanks for listening. Bye.